Hello, and welcome to another edition of No Lies Paranormal Podcast, where now three nerdy paranormal investigators sit down and discuss spooky stories from the web. My name is Joe. I'm the lead investigator. My name is Teresa, and I am the researcher. My name is Alex, and I am the equipment center upper, and as per usual, the Baba Yaga enthusiast, and Joe, welcome back. Yes, thank you. And I want to start off by saying thank you for everybody who reached out in my personal life and for people on here that have reached out to me to ask me how my dad is doing. He is doing great. For the recovery, he is doing a lot better. So thank you very much for everybody who reached out and asked about how my dad was doing. It meant nice. a lot. So well, we we deliberately did not say. We just wanted it, Jeff. Yeah. So, yeah. No, but he's full road of recovery. He's back to his normal self. So it's, it sucks. Thank you guys for that. Appreciate it very much. But yes, I'm now I am back. Yeah. Good. Uh, I'm going to be honest. It felt weird with just two of us. Well, that's because that's how you guys talk every day. Exactly. <laughs> it's just you and Teresa talking all the time to each other. <laughs> so you guys just had. It's hard to do a round table with two people. Yeah, there's no round, really. It's no round. It's just a linear line, oh. right? Timey wimey. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Bless you. Damn, that sucked. Okay. Right. <laughs> so. Any announcements, or did you get them all out while I was gone? With the sneeze? They all just blew out sure. my nose. Yeah, actually. So, announcements. I'm going to go ahead and start announcing it now because it really is that important to me. Saturday, September 21st of this year from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. is MadCon number seven, which is being held by and at Madison Seminary in Madison, Ohio. Very, very, very much would love to see just a bazillion people show up and it's only 20 bucks a person support the place they're actually going to be cutting a humongous check hopefully if y'all can get their butts there to the cystic fibrosis foundation which is is pretty amazing they're going to be doing that at 5 p.m so it's basically all the proceeds from the day a portion of that goes to the cystic fibrosis foundation so super super excited for that there is going to be a huge, huge number of amazing special guests that I am super excited for. We will get into that a little bit later, but I will just tell you that it is Kalani, the ghost hunter, who is that really cool dude with the curly black hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, super dude. I have really I enjoyed. PA. He did the destination or the... He was on Project Fear. Project Fear, yeah. not Destination Fear. Not Fury. that one. That's no, another we, one. We don't care about that. No, that's all. Destination old. Fear is Project Fear. Just Project Fear is, is Destination Fear is now. Exactly. Network. Semantics. Exactly. But nevertheless, I believe PA is where he's from. Go on. Uh, yeah. I'll put that up at some point. But in the Oddfellows thing. Yeah, that's right. He did do the Oddfellows building, which I, I love. So, yeah, and and, uh, he's also vlogging himself starting a gym regimen, which is pretty awesome. So, dude, I should follow along because I'm fat. Sneak peek tie-in. They should really pay attention. Exactly. You're more of that tonight. Oh, I love it. So there are also numerous, numerous other guests, but the ones who have got me super ridiculously excited is the foursome of Project Fear themselves. They will all be there, Alex and Connor and Chelsea and Dakota. I'll be there. Yes, you're right. I will be there. 
uh, in, in the project here, right. Alex. Yes, two Alex's I'm sorry, one you that Alex. might be frightening. You're a different project. Oh my God. <laughs> Alex's, you know, they're all the same. They're you know, all you know, people with A in their name, it stands for greatness, right? Is that it? Alexander the Great? I thought it stood uh, for asshole. I really did too, actually. <laughs> Same difference. So we had to find out if the project Fear Alex is great or an asshole. I feel like you're probably uh, you probably Yeah, look, my name is Joe. I come from a lineage of a lot of Joes. Because <laughs> it's the most yeah. overused name in the world. Not all of them are alike. <laughs> <laughs> More than anything, I'm ridiculously excited to meet Chelsea because I have watched her grow from, you know, the originals all the way through to now they're having their yeah. own destination fear and then project fear. And she is just just blossomed into an amazing ghost hunter. And that girl has got balls a solid rock. I love to work with them in some. Place. I know. I love it. And I would too. So, oh gosh, I'm excited. Uh, for the past two weeks, I'm down to work with anybody. <laughs> yeah, so here's me over here just fangirl on a tiny, but please stop by MadCon. I would really, really love to see you. Also, um, we love the fucking building. I love the building. We I love do. the building's yeah. history. It's a great place. The owners yeah, are amazing and they've got some big plans for the building. We need to build up fundage for them so that they can get you know, all the renovations that are heating needed. for the winter side. Heating would be phenomenal. <laughs> yes, I'm still cold from that. <laughs> so don't go there during a blizzard of 24. Yes, <laughs> icicles inside of my marrow. It's bad. I got icicles in my icicles. Yes, it's bad. But I'm ridiculously excited. I, I cannot wait. So, yeah, other than that, though, don't forget that we are going to be going back to Madison at some point as a date that that will be decided soon i hope it's and for then, them for us it's like people made it's in like, heaven yeah that's only eight we can still have a uh, lot more room exactly <laughs> and then of course don't forget that we've got our trip already set up to head down to waverly hill sanatorium that trip is going to be um, for joe's birthday yes which is Looking not on the same that. date that we're going but that's okay that will be april 18th and 19th the overnight if you live in or around the louisville area we want to hear from you what restaurant should i stop at before i go hunting or better yeah what better deal can you get me on a hotel True, true. <laughs> or can I just crash on your sofa? No, I'm be honest. <laughs> just tell me the good restaurants to stop at. Yeah. And Joe and I are foodies. We like, we're, we're fat kids and skinny bodies. So I need, I need dinner on the evening of the 18th. I, I need a good place kid. for dinner. We're fat kids and skinny bodies. I have an inner fat kid that dances when he eats good food, so. True. And then I need a beautiful breakfast spot for the morning of the 19th, please. All I want is blueberry waffles. Oh. I mean, you're going to smell those. That's if, why I said last it. Last time is a. Uh, That's why I brought it up. Consolation. Oh, I can't wait, and I'm going to tell you all about that at some point, but not today. Today, we are focusing on the next state in our wonderful United of the States. Our neighbors. Our neighbors. That's right, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. The home of that team over east. Right. Right. The Steelers. It's, just, <laughs> it's fine. I saw two blank stairs. This is also kind of where a lot of television paranormal hunting stuff got started with the whole crew from yeah. Penn State. Oh, yeah. Penn State Paranormal. What was that? Yeah. Paranormal State. Paranormal State. Yep. Yeah. Heather Teddy. Shout out. 
Yeah. Does good work with Katrina Weidman. Who also, also was part of that team, which I know. She was actually. You need to look again, my dear. She was their cult expert. You better be right, or we're going to get called all the way the fuck out. She was their cult expert. And this is calling all the way the fuck out. Incorrect. I cannot wait until we get a YouTube channel or a Patreon or something like this to where people can see this other than me. I will absolutely (laughs) promise you, you are incorrect. And now you should just stop. I'll bet you quite literally anything on earth that you want. 10 years of this stuff. All right. So the trans guy might be back on for my birthday because Mm -hmm. she's going to owe me a bet win here. So listeners, she's she's fat time checking right now. Viewers, (laughs) listeners. Who is the occult specialist in paranormal state? Promise you it's not Katrina Weidman. Katrina Weidman, born March 2nd, 1983, is an American paranormal investigator who began her career appearing on the A&E series Paranormal State from 2007 to 2011. Go fuck it. Was she the occult specialist? She was. No, she wasn't. Yes, she was. And I'd like to welcome you to No Less Paranormal Trivia Night. (laughs) 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 This is... I wish you guys could see this right now. Shit. I'll do a play by play on this. I wish that you guys could see this right now because both of them are meticulous. Right now. Meticulously typing <laughs> away on a computer trying to solve. Dead, dead. We yeah. do 100% need to get into Pennsylvania. This is actually more entertaining than the Taylor Swift Bowl. Taylor Swift Bowl, you're right. It was not the Super Bowl. Was Heather Taddy? No. It was another. It was a dark haired girl who had long hair. Uh, That's, no. <laughs> no, it's not. Trust me. Katrina Weidman, you're my paranormal crush. It was not you. Okay. It wasn't. Please, Katrina, could you just email us no lights paranormal at gmail.com <laughs> and let him know that he's being stupid? The- <laughs> so, are we doing a podcast or is this too? Well, you want to tell your story <laughs> first since you're back? Uh, I'm going to go last because I got a lot to talk about on mine. So. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I guess I could tell mine first, but all right. I was just going to let that play out. Elfie, by the way. Elfie? Mm-hmm. Elfie. Oh, you're right. That really skinny little girl. She was a sweetheart. And the occult specialist. Yeah, you owe me Trans-Allegheny. No, I, I do not owe you Trans-Allegheny. You are wrong. Did I misconstrue when she said, I bet you anything? I am fucking Switzerland. (laughs) Switzerland Switzerland has fucking beers. Switzerland also has some really good Switzerland. So it was literally like, I bet you anything. Tranny. To be honest with you, both of you were talking at the same time. I didn't hear shit. (laughs) Colonel State, we love you. That was that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get into the stories, shall we? Uh-huh. Because <laughs> apparently I'm the track keeper here. Sergey <laughs> was my favorite, by the way. I did like Sergey. He was cool. He was their tech guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> tech nerd. We get along. Shut up, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You get it all out. And now on with the podcast. You, you get it all out, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying really hard to get this going for a few minutes now. So good wait till she's talking to yell and interrupt her during her. Right. <laughs> All right. So this story's a little bit different. I, I kind of chose this one because my dad kind of drove through Pennsylvania a lot when he was trucking mm-hmm. and heard a lot of stories. He saw a lot of things there. So it was kind of like made me a little bit interested a little bit. Now, are you um, talking like ghosts or cryptids or? Oh. Really? Yes. So. 
upon looking it up, and I actually have a, I'm not going to use his name, but I actually do have a witness that experienced something in the PA wilds. And anybody that has driven through PA knows that it's full of trees and cities pop up out of nowhere. Three quarters of um, it is the wilds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I wanted to just, just say in there, this witness, although we'll go unnamed, this is actually a credible person who was a... He's a, a former cop. Yeah. So he was a yes. police officer in the state of PA. Yes. So he's a very credible witness. Yes. But the story that I'm actually doing is kind of like a roundabout of all things. The, the guy who actually wrote it, his name is Lou Bernard, which I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. So I apologize if I didn't. Uh, he wrote a kind of a book and now it's a vlog. The PA Wilds, Dark Skies and Headless Ghost. And when I first read it, I kind of thought maybe it was a book that he was writing. So I wasn't sure how to take it. Like, all right, is this a book? Because as you look up ghost stories throughout the United States, you find a lot of books that people have written. Mm -hmm. So upon doing more investigation, I realized that this wasn't a book. He's taking actual firsthand accounts and in writing, much like we're doing, putting it into a story. His own little mm -hmm. version of it. Yes. This one, however, kind of ties into a lot of what I heard that my father actually said about some of the stuff that happened in PA when he was a truck driver there. This particular, particular story talked about two brothers who was just walking through kind of like a section of the PA wilds. And just a normal night, it was in, let me see here. That's not it. Sorry, I apologize, guys. First time doing it in a while, I forgot to write my notes down. Anyways, these two brothers were kind of walking through the park and they were just kind of doing it like me and Alex have done, me and you have done, everybody has done, just walk through the park, kind of enjoying the night or the walk. And they kind of got a feeling that something was following them and something was looking at them. And as they did, they kind of looked over and saw this headless apparition. He's that so was lucky he did that following. while we're recording. Yeah, you still mentioned it. <laughs> had to. So they're still doing husband and wife stuff. <laughs> Apparently, we didn't get it out before this podcast. <laughs> uh, so, in other words, these two brothers were walking in the park, had something follow them, didn't notice it, kept feeling it, but didn't see it. And then all of a sudden, they saw a headless apparition. They actually caught a photo of it. No shit. So, upon seeing it, they promptly freaked out ran back to their cars because why would you not right and reported it to the local newspaper mm -hmm. i will post the link of this on our actual website the photo itself he actually has it posted oh how cool i i question the validity of it and not that i'm an expert in any of this or whatsoever but can you show me the link i'd love to see oh it. i have the picture right here oh, but i want to preface it by saying it looks like someone kind of messed up the development of it Got you. And I'll show Teresa right now. That's the fakest shit I've ever seen in my life. Right. But it's in the national newspaper. That's still the fakest shit I've ever seen yeah. in my life. So whether or not it's true, I don't know. But multiple people have went there and said that they also saw this headless ghost. Wow. So, and it kind of follows people around. And just whether it's looking for its head or the original headless horseman, who knows? But... Looking into the story, and as I looked up the PA Wilds and the parks and everything they have there, there's a litany of stuff that you can find of ghost stories, cryptids, weird animals, weird dog men running around. You're talking the state in its entirety. Yes. Okay. Pennsylvania's not all right in the wilds. <laughs> uh -huh. 
you got some you got some issues going on in your woods, guys. <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny. And there's a lot of them. Yeah. Now, that was just one story from that. And like I said, I'll post a link on our Facebook page so you guys can actually read it itself. The guy actually does a pretty good job of explaining it and writing it down and actually going into the stories that he gets firsthand account of. Sure. Uh, he's upon, I guess, recent times, orbs have made a reappearance. And he talks about those, that they're different color orbs. So maybe Ken would get into it. <laughs> I love you, Ken. Sorry, Ken. Ken would love you. But, uh, it's hilarious, though. <laughs> but yeah, there's also a witch that would first, I think, before the Salem witch trials, there was a witch that was actually put on trial in PA. Yeah. And I was going to do that. And I decided against it because I actually looked up the trial and it was kind of like, oh, yeah, she got tried as a witch. And everybody's like, she's not a witch. <laughs> and that was the end. And that was the end. Yeah, there was no other supernatural stuff about it. We should send the color chart. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, apparently it's some orbs change colors and it's it could be UFOs. It could be this. So there's a lot of stuff going on in the people. I change my mood all the time. Now, however, the... Yeah, you're a constant mood reader. Now, however, the the story I am going to actually talk about is about a cryptid. As my father was trucking, sometimes I go with him in the truck and we'd go down to Pennsylvania and I'd just be there for camaraderie and be someone there in the truck with him. And there was a lot of people that I met that my dad met on his travels. And one of them, there was a lot of cops because my dad's a very personable person. Mm. He'll literally talk to anybody. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, so, no, it- <laughs> so he it, even in the house we live in now the cops stop by and talk to my dad <laughs> like they'll just chill on the porch with my dad which is concerning sometimes when you go out drinking the night before and you show up and, <laughs> and you wake up and there's a cops at your house so listen seen it roger does this yeah we still love you roger so yeah it's one of the cops in pa i actually had to give him a call mm-hmm. because i upon doing this i remembered that story and wanted to talk to him yeah and the one night I won't use his name because privacy and all that. Sure. He is now since retired, but a lot of them used to go into the, like the parks and just kind of sit there, either catch some Z's, do some paperwork, catch up on their daily lives, you know, maybe have a conversation with a girlfriend, wife, kids, whatever. Right. This one particular night, this trooper that I talked to was just chilling. He was kind of there sitting there doing radar. He was on the side of the road, but this. It wasn't a park, but it was kind of like one of those little outreaches. Just a little offshoot place where you pull off. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like a pull off, but it led back into the woods. There was a trail going back there. So you could actually pull off and go walk into the woods. It was one of those cop hidey holes that we hate so much. Yes. Well, Pennsylvania, much like Ohio, has a lot of like public hunting land too. Yes. So, yes. Valid. So, as we're talking to him, and I, in the midst of the conversation, I told him, like, hey, look, I've been in the woods before. I've dealt with some things in the woods that, can't really be explained in normal aspects or you can't really put a rational thing behind why that happened. So you have no fear in talking to me. You can just say as much as you want, no judgment, just come out with it. And he was saying that night he was feeling a little bit kind of groggy, a little bit tired. So he pulled off and went to that little alcove. He pulled the back of the cruiser in, sat the cruiser there, turned the lights off, just kind of sat there in his own thoughts, just kind of chilling. Just having the night to himself. And he said he passed out for a little bit. He goes, can't can't tell you how long it actually was because didn't really keep time. Right. And he said he was woken up suddenly by the back end of his car being picked up. Obviously, that's jarring. You're going to wake up with a start. Mm-hmm. Now, 
whether or not your eyes are fully adjusted and your brain is fully cognizant at the time is up for debate. But he said when he woke up because it lurched him forward, yeah, he turned around and saw this thing lifting his car up. This thing. Thing. Didn't say it was covered in fur. Didn't say it was 12 feet tall. Just said this thing. <laughs> I can tell you from personal experience that sometimes, even when you are in this field, when you see something that you can't necessarily explain, there's a certain reluctance that yeah. I kind of just built in. Yeah. It's just like, it's, I saw something. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Right. It, because you're not ready to put any validity behind it because you're not sure if what you saw is what you actually saw. Right. But he saw it, but the thing was actually lifting up his car and then let it go and it dropped down. He said, as soon as that fucker dropped, <laughs> as soon as I got some traction, I'm gone. And he said, it scared him so much that he was scared to go on that route again. Wow. It took, and this is in the conversation I have with him. It took him later on talking to another officer to go back to that spot with him because he was that fucking scared. This is a trained and armed yes. officer. Yes. So Amazing. whatever it was scared the living daylights out of him to where he had to get another fully grown adult to go back with him <laughs> to check it out. And mind you, this wasn't like an hour or two later. This was like a couple of days later. Yeah. And he was the only one that had that route. So nobody else was there police wise. There could have been a civilian. Sure. But said so when he went back there, well, I don't give a fuck kind of fucking, I don't care what you're looking at. Nobody's picking up the back end of a police cruiser. Right. For any car, unless like Braun Strowin is over there picking it up. But <laughs> when they went back, I said they went fully armed. They were on duty. They went fully armed. They had their, you know, police special on them and everything. They were ready to go in case something would happen. Right. And so they went to where he normally would sit. And I said, they saw his burnout, saw his tracks and everything like that. And then right behind it, you saw indents. Of where in something the ground was standing. Where something was standing. That's messed up. Not only that, but there was indents on the back of his car where the or thing grabbed. grabbed. That's messed up. Left indents in the actual bumper itself. Now, granted, this was back in maybe the early 90s, mid 90s. So they weren't fully plexiglass yet. Uh, (laughs) This was still like Detroit steel. And that thing's harder in hell. So when you grip that, you're not leaving prints very. You can just grip it and it's not going to leave prints. Right. Grip it and leave handprints in it. That's messed up. You're grabbing that sucker pretty damn hard. That's so crazy. They saw the prince there and decided to follow it. The one cop did. The other guy stayed behind. He's like, no, no, thank you. The one cop's like, I kind of want to see where this goes. Followed the prince into where he could follow him no longer. They literally were standing right in the wood line to where no one could see them. Just kind of standing there. Wow. And then when the cop pulled in, must not like that they were there. Boom, get the fuck out. That's insane. And yeah, that... When I talked to the dude on the phone, nice, nice gentleman, really calm, cool, collective, very polite. But when he recanted the story, I could tell the fear in his, in his voice. That's crazy. Like he's still scared. This was over 20 years ago and he's still scared about it. Whether or not you want to call it Bigfoot, call it something else. I don't know. He never actually classified. Mind you, this is a trained officer to observe things like that to get a detailed report <laughs> make up stories they're trained to observe right. to be fair my curiosity would be and this is only from me coming with my own personal experience right and this is this was me talking to my wife so 
my only curiosity would be whether he was more afraid of the actual situation that happened or more afraid of just talking about it in general. No, he was not afraid of talking about it in general at all. You reach a certain age where you're like, screw it. I don't care. <laughs> this guy's this guy is of that age where it's like, I don't care what people think of me. This is what I actually experienced. Yeah. Whether you believe it or not is inconsequential to what I believe. What'd you say? Yeah, so my life is whiskey and raccoons now. It's fine. Yeah, I'm yeah. crazy. <laughs> but no, he's he's of the ilk where I believe it. So the fact that you believe it or not is Doesn't inconsequential matter. to what I believe. So, and like I said, talking to him about it, he has no qualms talking to him about it whatsoever, especially knowing that I am the son of someone that he actually befriended. Yeah. He's like, no, I know you do this for a living. That's cool. I don't care about talking about it. I'm not afraid of the backlash. I'm like, well... We're not that big to where you're going to get backlash on. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, I've, I had to go back and tell my superior about this. And he said, get it all the time. Wow. So the police are aware of something in the woods in PA. And they're just like, yeah, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And it, well, again, they put out service announcements. Be careful going into the woods. They never really say what, and that's just not in PA. That's could be anywhere. Be careful going in the woods. That's internal police shit, not yeah. our shit. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Ken for a second. Or, while we were on the same topic, talk about Ken for a second and how many reports came in regarding weird shit in the valley. Yeah. Oh, valid. And how it's, many of those came from cops and not normal people? Right. True. They see this stuff all the time. That's why I was like, this is a credible witness. This is something to talk about because these guys are legit. That's difficult for me. And whether or not what you feel about the police force is what you feel. Yeah. But it's still a credible witness. It's someone that isn't just going to lie to get notoriety because their life is built to not have notoriety. Yeah, it's a person who's a trained professional, no right. matter how you look right. at I mean, it. Right. At some point, it comes down to who you trust, right? I mean, right. it's either you trust a cop telling a story, whether or not they act right or wrong is a completely separate subject. Right. But it's either you trust a cop telling a story or, oh, well, please, no, we didn't want this drunk because they just they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> drunk in a second. So, so who do you trust when they tell you something? Right. right. And not only that, but he actually did talk to me about a lot of the other reports that the police officers had to their superiors down there. And listen, the PA wilds are exactly that. They are wild. Because if you think about it, credible food source, water. Right places to hide true it's a it's all there pardon the expression hunting ground (laughs) for just things that don't want to be seen i mean the irony is how much of the u.s is actually a wild that we just don't pay attention to right oh there's i guarantee you (laughs) for any of you that played zelda you'll get you'll know exactly what i'm talking about when i say this when you look at the map and you can put a hit this one button and it shows you where you journeyed yeah. If we did that in the world, I guarantee you there's spots in the United States that no one's ever been to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so, funny, right? Because we we have friends that are like, you know, we talk about the valley and they're like, right. oh, let's just the backside of Akron, right? And they're they're talking about just crazy people in Akron. I was like, you realize that there's certain places that I can go in the valley, you never see me again. Right. Ever. Yeah, just right. gone. I can disappear and become folklore at that point. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's it's and we even saw this house when we went down to PA for that concert. We saw nothing but woods and woods, 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 and all of a sudden it was like someone dropped the ink of water on the city and it popped up in a split second. Right. So the difference between the Trans Allegheny National Forest and Pittsburgh is roughly three quarters of a mile. 
total. Like yeah. you are in dense fucking forest. So all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, who put these buildings here? I look at the footprint. <laughs> yeah. The point of my story is, and I know I've in every podcast I talk about buildings or planes or whatever, but this one was just like it's the entirety of the PA wildlife. Yeah. It's a huge state full of trees. <laughs> like you're you're gonna have a lot of weird stuff happen there. And this one was a story from a credible witness in my eyes that actually lived it. And mind you, he never did once say it was a Bigfoot. Yeah. He wasn't ready to classify it as that he yet. Just said and he actually something. he actually did say he goes, I'm not really a believer in Bigfoot. He goes, but something was big enough to pick up my car. And that car wasn't light. And I I feel I kind of felt sorry for the dude because I've been in that situation before when you get rocked out of sleep. <laughs> no matter if you're a trained professional or not, gonna panic. <laughs> right. Do that. Good. To be fair, I have seen shit to this day where like I think about it in my head and I'm like, no, nah, there's no way I'm saying that shit out loud. That sounds <laughs> fucking absurd. <laughs> right. No, see, I, I don't care. I'll still say it because the truth needs to be out there. The thing Alternatively, I lived in Scotland for three years. Okay. Yeah, it's a different world over yeah. there. Well, yeah, that's why I call it the other side. But, um, so when I say I've seen some weird shit that I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, no, that sounds absurd. Like, yeah, I lived in the UK. It's but, weird over there. All right, just no, throw that out there. Name drop that. <laughs> but no, it's like. When I was looking at PA, yes, there's a lot of stuff there, but the, the the actual forest to me struck out the most because one, I love nature, and two, I love going into the woods. And I don't necessarily know if I'd go into the woods in PA. We would. You know we would. It's called suspense, man. Let it happen. I've heard of so many stories and not, I mean, I'm not even talking like specifically looking for hauntings or, or, or cryptid stories, right. but just people who, you know, oh, my folks or my grandparents had a cabin up in the woods in PA. Yeah. Just normal everyday people who are like, yeah, fuck mm-hmm. that. We don't go there. Chad, the Allegheny Forest is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I was meaning earlier when I talked about the, the police putting out statements to people like, hey, don't go to the woods after dark. Don't go by yourself. To me, that means there's more than just like coyotes and stuff in the woods. Because probably that's what I'm saying. If they would, you've seen a police report like that before. It's like, hey, there's a large pack of coyotes in here. Be careful going to the woods after dark. Mm -hmm. This one's like, don't go in the woods after dark. (laughs) Just (laughs) stay away. They're not going to tell you why. They're just telling you don't do it. Yeah. So to me, that strikes out a lot more than them putting out like, hey, there's a large pack of coyotes. Be careful out there. Well, I mean, if they're saying just don't. After dark, I just don't. Then just in this don't. place, this place, and this place. Well, we say that, but you know full well we would. But uh, I was trying to build suspense, you ruined that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, I'm the only one that called Joe. Uh, all right, Joe and I like to go to the woods and just get fucking lost, like lost on purpose. I don't know if we necessarily like to get lost. It just kind of happens. But <laughs> and then you find a field that you've been in a hundred one times. You don't remember that you were there. But <laughs> will you ever find that red tree in again? I would love to. You're the only one that actually gets lost up there, man. Where <laughs> was the red tree, Joe? He hasn't paid. We haven't went back there he's yet. Going. He just. Do you almost see us? Yes. Well, let's go. Well, okay. When the weather gets nicer, because I'm not hiking through the woods in 20 degree weather. <laughs> All right. Then we'll take pictures of the red tree when we find it again. Take a video on our way there, so that way we know the track. <laughs> so you're admitting that we may not know the track. No, I know where we went in at. Whether or not I can follow the actual trail itself. We'll see what happens. To be fair, I also know where we went. Yeah. No idea how we know where we are. Well, right now the red tree isn't there because winter. 
we'll just all wait and see. Yeah. Hopefully we'll Long story short, be careful in the PA woods. There's things in there that we don't know what they are. Can't really classify them, but they're they're strong enough to pick up a freaking car and leave indents in the metal bumper. So That's, be careful. It's a scary. Take precautions. Scary thing. When you go into the woods, if you deem it unsafe, just don't go. So, you know, if you're one of those people who your spidey sense tingles and you just don't listen to it. Dude, run. That's on you, bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Darwin is. That goes with, you know, red flags too. <laughs> yeah. That's my story for this week. So I love it. I love it. It's a good one. So the moral of the story is. <laughs> If your spice best tingles, if your spice and singles run, yeah, like pay attention, pay attention to to the to the things that your brain are telling. Or just be like Teresa and say, "Don't run." I have us turn around and it starts running. I'm sorry, my <laughs> fight or flight kicked in and it decided I was starting running. Then it was teleports. Yeah, bro. I yeah. did. I'm sorry. Yeah, Missy step. Ellen stepped in the middle in the middle of the woods. Calling <laughs> Josh. Yeah, she was the guys in the woods by itself. She has to do what I do. It's like, I ain't got to be faster than the thing chasing me. I just got to be faster than you. <laughs> Make them slow down somehow. I don't know. <laughs> so, so have we ever told them that story? Because it, you know, that just sounds weird. No, we're going to that when we talk about that. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, so I'm going to talk about my story now, I suppose, since Alex is going to go last. I actually had a lot of fun with this one and I wasn't originally going to do it because it's, it's a little, it's one of those places that is very, very well known. And I, you know, try to stray away from that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I like this place a lot and I hope that we get to go there pretty soon. So I'm, I'm going to do it. So, Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Beer. Right. Sorry. <laughs> Hillview Manor. Hmm. So the state of Pennsylvania is home to incredible amounts of american history there is a tremendous amount of beauty to be enjoyed when you visit the state pennsylvania is also a place where you can enjoy tons of outdoor activities venues for great entertainment tremendous culinary delights pennsylvania is also a state that is home to more than its fair share of paranormal and ghostly activity one of the most haunted places of note in newcastle pa Specifically, in Shenano Township is the Hillview Manor. Due to the incredible amount of activity reported at Hillview Manor, many of the most popular professional ghost hunters have visited the location. What many ghost hunters have found upon investigating the manor is that there is a legitimate evidence to back up the claims of ghost and paranormal activity. Hmm. <laughs> and that's why I was looking around and I couldn't find a whole lot of like Found like, oh, one day, possibly a girl fell down the stairs and died. And that's literally the only thing it said about hauntings. And I was like, well, that, I, that's boring as fuck. I don't want to do that. So that's why I came out to love you. So in Newcastle, working farms and homes for the elderly were very, very commonplace. It was something they did all the time. The Newcastle City Home which had been around since about 1867, was reaching the point where a new facility was needed. It was run down, it was aging, and it was a little too small. Bids for the new Lawrence County Home for the Age, aged, were being accepted starting June of 1925. A bid and a design by a gentleman architect by the name of A.L. Thayer were eventually accepted, and construction began on the new facility. The official opening for the new facility which had multiple names over the years, was in 1926. And it opened as the Lawrence County Home for the Aged. 
get this, the Schneiders, an, a married couple named Perry and Mary Schneider, love it, had previously been in charge of the Newcastle City home. When the facility was replaced, then they moved over to do this one. The Schneiders moved into this new facility with just their two children and 12 staff members. That was it. That's how it started. The new facility featured three main sections. There were two wings. The two-story west wing is where the men were housed. The two-story east wing is where women were housed. And then the center section was a three-story section that had kitchen laundry facilities, barber, a hospital. The morgue was in the basement. There was private residences for nurses, and then, of course, a private resident for the superintendent and his family. The facility originally opened with the ability to house 110 patients or residents or whatever you want to call them. In that day, it was actually inmates. They called them inmates. The place also had a bomb shelter, a working farm, and a small cemetery. When the doors first opened, originally 20 residents moved in. They were typically people that had mental illnesses, homeless, or elderly people that had no family to speak of. Most of the residents were adults, and it was actually very rare for a young person to live there, but one of the first residents was actually a young boy. According to news reports from the time, the residents of Hillview Manor, as it would become to call in the 1970s, were, again, referred to as inmates, not patients, not residents. And nobody really knows why, because it was not any sort of a prison facility. People were not like, you didn't have to stay there. You could leave anytime you wanted. So I don't know. Up until 1944, the Schneiders ran Hillview Manor as is. That year they decided the the welfare officials actually decided that since the schneiders were you know well into their 70s that they were no longer uh, basically competent to run the facility on their own so they basically were forced into retirement but they were allowed to stay at the facility with pensions eventually about three months or so after that they were asked to just vacate hillview altogether so the new superintendent of the facility was a man named Mance Hogue. There was a lot of conversions in the late 60s. Was they put in a, a, a skilled nursing center. One point, Director Clarence Covert was the man in charge of the facility. He remained in place until 1973. He resigned due to a lack of county support. The following year, additional remodeling was done. Uh, to allow for 30 more residents. And the facility actually stayed open until 2004. So during the Depression era, it actually housed, there were unfortunately a lot of people who were selling their children during the Great Depression because they couldn't yeah. afford to feed them. <clears throat> That's why they call it the Great Depression. Right. <laughs> so a lot of homeless children live there as well. Yeah. And it was still basically like a poor farm at that time. Uh, yeah, some interesting stuff. But anyway, just like you had in any sort of facility of its day, there was a lot of serious overcrowding, shortages of proper all kinds of things, whether it be medication or care or staff to help take care of people. The facility ran very much like every other nasty nasty place yeah in in those days 
I mean, I, I think the people probably had good intentions, but you know how that goes. Right. So between 1926 and 2004, literally maybe 100,000 people called that place home. Uh, in some cases, the facility, of course, was the very last home. The number of residents who passed away is somewhere in the 10,000 range, but they don't have all of the names or all of the records for that. Large percentage of them were actually buried in the Hillview Cemetery, which was on the property. The graves are completely unmarked, even to this day. Like, they know that this is where the cemetery boundaries are, but they have no idea. There's no headstones, nothing like that. Yeah, many of these individuals, they say, actually didn't even have any records on file with the government, so they basically didn't exist. So, with that said, there's a little bit of folklore. So, Sylvan Heights Golf Course actually is a pretty, uh, I guess you'd want to call it like ritzy. It's Sylvan, like the Bay language? Just like that, yes. Is a, It's sort of a ritzy sort of place. And it's just this big, beautiful golf course that sits directly behind Hillview now, present day. That as actually was the farmland that was used to grow all the crops to feed everybody who lived there. No. A little bit about the hauntings, and this is where we have fun. <laughs> so, of course, when you mention Hillview Manor, avid ghost hunters are either going to recount their stories or, you know, tell you about something they heard from somebody else. So, three respectable groups of paranormal investigators, I guess we'll call them, in the paranormal field Close enough. have actually visited there. So, ghost hunters, TAPS, Atlantic Paranormal Society, they have been there. Ghost Lab has been there, which is a little bit lesser known. I know who they are, but look them up. They're cool. And then, of course, Ghost Adventures has been there. Ah, uh, pause, because that means a force group has been there, because Destination Fear. Destination Fear went there just recently. You're right. You're right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Tour Jones in last Project one. Fear. I think they went there under Project Fear, not nope, Destination Fear. No, they were Destination Fear. Were they? Okay, cool. I think it was either the second or third season on... Our fun friends went there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, when Ghost Adventures went, they actually walked away with what I would consider a pretty hefty amount of, of air quotes, evidence. No. Because, you know, some some people we believe and some we don't. Zach made multiple claims of being physically touched, stated that someone grabbed his arm, that someone grabbed his shirt. He made another claim that he felt a hand moving up and down his back. In all of his claims, nobody was actually close enough from the crew itself to actually be touching him. So it wasn't a crew member. They know that. Did he yell daddy at any point? He probably did. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be honest. A shadow figure was seen down one of the hallways. The group was, had, had, they recorded about a dozen extremely beautiful class A EVPs, of course, because they can get a whole dozen class A EVPs, you know, because they're ghost adventures. Well, they must have been there for like four fucking months then. I know, right? One of them says, one of them is, get out of this room. I got a question. Mm -hmm. I plan on fixing them 
I love Zach Baggins. Right? One of them said, I'm Jim. And then there was actually some anomalies caught from motion sensors that were on site as well. About 400 year orbs to probably change colors. Maybe we should talk to Ken. Exactly. Let's, let's get on that. <laughs> I, I can hear him <laughs> cussing you out from here. <laughs> no. We'll sort of thought about it, though. This, 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 one, this one EVP that they supposedly got that said, I'm Jim, that's actually super friggin' common. So other paranormal groups also are getting contact with the spirit of someone named Jim. Jim. We don't actually know who Jim is. He could have been a patient. He could have been an official. He could have been a nurse. We don't know. But Jim lived on the property. They believe that he was someone who passed on the property. And he is extremely vocal. He talks to lots of groups. And he specifically refers to him, like, he says his name often, like, I'm Jim. Like he's trying to be a part of the ghost hunter. Exactly. <laughs> it was like, and I'm Jim. So, uh, Jim doesn't really narrow it down. All right, yeah. Just Jim's. So, I don't know if anybody has ever gotten his last name, but uh, yeah, apparently Jim is extremely vocal. He will follow groups all the way around the entire building, like, pointing shit out to them and, like, telling them, like, don't go in that room. Oh, or, I like, like Jim. Yeah, right. This guy is pretty awesome. And it wasn't just those particular people who experienced Jim. Lots of paranormal investigators have witnessed Jim. So makes it more credible when there's anybody else on planet Earth who also caught an EVP with him. (laughs) (laughs) I know we bashed him hard. No, I just had a a funny thought of like a ghost thinking a part of the ghost hunting team that's hunting ghosts. Right. I'd be super into it. And we're sitting there. I would have a ghost as my ghost hunting. Right. But we're sitting there trying to get an EVP from him, like asking the questions like, what brought you here doing this? You know, from, just a, like pointing, from a ghost like, perspective, a ghost hunter asking them questions got to be the dumbest thing on the face of the earth. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like, what What do you want me to know? <laughs> what do you? So yeah, that, that was just hilarious. I Sorry. love it. I love it. Other people who have come to investigate Hillview Manor have had their own success with seeing ghosts. There's, like I said, lots and lots and lots. It's not uncommon for people to hear doors slamming shut, footsteps in the halls, voices down the hall, sometimes single voices like saying one word of very loud or a whole sentence kind of loud, or sometimes like two people talking. Anyway, objects move on their own. There's pipes rattling, there's banging, there's scratching noises, things dragging across the floor. All of these things are incredibly common. People are also reporting seeing a six or seven year old boy that they believe is that very, very first boy who came to live in the manor. I can't for the life of me remember what he was called, though. Anyway, Jim Jr. That could have been it. Jim Jr. JJ. What? So, yes, a little boy. Now, interesting, interesting. There's a bit of folklore, and obviously, it's complete bullshit. But the folklore says that if you happen to see the spirit of a boy by the I believe it was Jeffrey, Jeffrey, the six or seven year old boy named Jeffrey, if you see his apparition within the next very short while, potentially days, maybe a week, you will die a horrible, horrible death. Has anybody ever died? There are no reports of deaths. No. None. Good folklore. Yeah. So Philly's lost people probably just bitched out right after that. Yeah. So it's like that's interesting. <laughs> there is the ghost of a woman named Virginia May, who was a resident and passed away there. 
she is seen in her room. She smiles and she waves. And then if you wave back, she will vanish again. She is seen as an older woman generally looking out of a window. You can be in the room and see, you know, her back turned looking out the window. Yeah. Or people outside see her peering out. But yeah, I mean, there's so many. There's so many. <laughs> so yes, lots and lots and lots of hauntings at the incredibly beautiful 80,000 square foot historic Hillview Manor. Nice! And I want to go there. Looks like we're going to maybe Highland can come back. <laughs> right? That was a good time. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so Al, tell us all. I feel like you clipped yours off at the end there. I felt like it was taking up a lot of time. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> I don't even. I, I'm not even going to tell you where we're at right now. <laughs> Is it going to go way over? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a thick suit. I apologize, guys. We had fun with this one. I don't apologize. We had fun with this one. <laughs> I mean, Pennsylvania, <laughs> you are a winner. Didn't actually you like have the thing of our thickest suits normally have the most views or listens or something like that? They kind of do. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> but yes, fine. please tell us all about your PA haunting. My PA haunting. I will get into it. So, yeah. Hmm. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Cool story. I'm saying it's like five minutes. Yeah, cool story, bro. It's fine. But no. So, so my PA haunting runs into the... And you know what? I'm not going to clip it off at the end. I'm just going to make the... So, it's fine. No one's out Uh, out but you. (laughs) My PA story falls into the... Probably one of the most well-known Ish. places in PA. And probably what I can honestly say is probably one of the most least known stories, despite its popularity. Isn't it interesting yeah. how, how people can know like all about a place? Like, oh my God, it's so haunted. There's this story and this story and this story. So, but they don't they don't really have any idea about a place. Yeah, people will probably figure it out and be like, oh yeah, that place. I saw a movie. I'll let it I get to right here in a second. I'll so, go to video games. I know. This is right. this is where I will start off and I will stop and I will pause and I will be like, you're too fucking late. You should have known already. Right. <laughs> Wanna tell you what the place is. So in 1832, a man named Jonathan Faust opened the Bull's Head Tavern in what was called a Roaring Creek Township. This game's a town his first name. Bull's Head in 1842. Not where I thought that was going to go, but all right. Right. <laughs> the land was bought by the Lucas Mountain Coal and Iron Company. A man named Alexander Ray was a mining engineer and moved his family in and began planning a village. While laying out the streets and lots for development, Ray named the town Centerville. <clears throat> but in 1865, the town was renamed because the post office already had a centerville a word i can't pronounce county it's s-c-h-u-y-l-k-i-l-l okay yeah you pronounce it i'm out (laughs) (laughs) therefore because the u.s post office already had a centerville in pa by the way guys you're too late in 1865, it was changed to Centralia, PA. Uh-huh. So, as you can imagine, everybody's like, oh, look at that at this point. The Silent Hill place. No, it's where they make citronella candles. Right. 
And I feel like a lot of people probably don't know the story of Centralia PA. So I will go ahead and tell a little bit of the history of Centralia, which, yes, is the Silent Hill Town. The floor is yours. (laughs) The first two mines in Centralia opened up in 1856. That would be the Locust Run Mine and Coal Ridge Mine. Afterward came the Hazeldell Colliery Mine in 1860, then the Centralia Mine in 1862, and finally the Continental Mine in 1863. Centralia was incorporated as a borough in 1866. Its principal employer was the anthracite coal mine industry. Alexander Ray was the town's founder. He was murdered in a horse and buggy by members of the Molly Maguires on oh. October 17th of 1868. That's a pretty famous old gang. During a trip between Centralia and Mount Carmel, the three men were eventually convicted of his death and were hanged in the county seat of Bloomsburg on March 25th of 1878. Now, for those of you that are unfamiliar, despite my wife calling out, is a fairly famous gang, because it kind of was. The Molly Maguires were an English 19th century secret society that were active in Liverpool, Ireland, and parts of the eastern United States. Best known for their activism along Irish-American and Irish-immigrant coal workers in Pennsylvania. (laughs) So, that being said, there were several other murders and incidents of arson that took place during the violence as Centralia was a hotbed of the Molly Maguire's activity during the 1860s to organizing mine workers as a union in order to improve the wages and the working conditions. Now, that said, in May of 1962, the small Pennsylvanian coal mining town decided the best way to clear out a defunct landfill that just happened to be behind the Oddfellow Cemetery was to burn it. Yeah, <laughs> just burn it down. Fire. it's an activity that's been done before but in centralia's case it would create one of the most bad shit crazy american stories ever told the biggest oops of all time (laughs) again the town was built on anthracite coal deposits and the blaze above as you can imagine ignited the blaze below lighting the tip of an exposed coal chute that serpentined for miles underneath the town and an underground inferno started to spread slowly and stealthily over the next couple of decades, working its way to the surface. Again, this originally was lit and started in 1962. I kind of want you to remember that date because it's going to seem kind of absurd a little bit later on. Okay. Uh, Centralians alerted the state government about the fire, but found themselves completely disregarded. Ironically, the fire could have been almost completely extinguished months after it was set, but dispatch state officials on the scene decided that taking Labor Day weekend off was more important than finishing what they started. So the fire was allowed to spread. Now, this is what's going to start to sound absurd when I mentioned that this fire was ignited in 1962. By 1967, or I'm sorry, 1976, a temperature of 746 degrees was recorded in a woman's backyard behind the swimming pool. 
Vegetable gardens were cooking in the soil, and some residents claimed their basements were so warm that they didn't use use the hot water's heater to warm their bath water. That's fucked up. Can I get a hot tub? In 1979, a local gas station owner, John Coddington, inserted a a dipstick into one of the underground tanks to check its fuel levels and was shocked to find the temperature read 180 degrees. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. That's a recipe for disaster. That's a, we're close for the day. <laughs> right? <laughs> Weak. At this point, the Pennsylvania Bureau of Mines said the best judgment here was to just let the fire burn itself out. <laughs> so do nothing. <laughs> do nothing. Do nothing. Back. Uh, one of the most notable incidents happened in 1981. Again, this is Almost 20 years after this fire originally started. In, okay, so let's let's run that by one more time. The fire had been burning for almost 20 years in 1981. 1962. They, yes. they, they tried to burn clear a landfill on the backside of an odd fellow cemetery, which caught a coal mine underground on fire. I just want everybody to realize, in 1981... Which was forty fucking three years ago. The fire had already been burning for twenty years. Twenty years. years, Nineteen. That's let's be fair. Nineteen, not twenty. Let's give him a little bit of credit. Not really. Yeah, well born. Right. (laughs) In nineteen eighty one, a fiery sinkhole opened up and attempted to swallow a twelve year old Todd Dabrowski in his grandmother's backyard. (laughs) That won't give you nightmares. (laughs) Right. He was immediately deluged by hot, slippery mud and scorched by heat that was later measured at 350 degrees. Oh, okay. So that's just like a warm swimming pool. Uh, he fine. tried to gain his footing frantically and clambered up around for anything that he could use to pull himself up while breathing in large amounts of carbon monoxide and hot gases that come out of the coal mine when it's moving. Right. Yeah. Uh, but was futile. Eventually, he was able to stabilize himself by grabbing a hold of a tree root and then started screaming for help. His cousin, 14-year-old Eric Wolfgang, heard his terror mute shrieks and pulled him out. It was determined levels of carbon monoxide and toxic vapors in the sinkhole would have been enough to kill Todd within minutes had he not been pulled out. Good lord. The incident, at that point, as much as you can call anything viral in 1981, went right. viral. Right. Right. Stay away back then. Stay away from fiery holes. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, the Pennsylvania government, which had been muting the coal fire and resulting anxieties since it began, had no choice but to face it. Centralia finally found it suddenly found itself in the gravity of a nationwide chitter chatter, and the now irrefutable revelation of subterranean calamity hurt a lot of Centralia's good debt. I say good day. I say good day. (laughs) The ground began collapsing unpredictable and devoured swaths of the ground above. Hundreds would start coming out of the woods with broken ankles. Sometimes deer carcasses would be spotted sticking out of the hole vertically with steam billowing out around it. Face down, ass up. (laughs) (laughs) That's really spring out. God damn it, Joe. (laughs) You miss me. (laughs) <laughs> in which they had either clearly starved to death or suffocated from the fumes 
pets too were victims, a group of kids playing on a backyard swing set witnessed the grim death of their neighbor's cat when the grass around it suddenly turned brown and it dropped into a sinkhole. Jesus. <laughs> Listen, nobody likes cats anyway. It's fine. Hey. <laughs> I'm a little bit, I love not like cats. Uh, <laughs> that's it. So poisonous gases, gases began to billow into cellars and the local school. Some Centralians began developing a bad hacking cough that was compared to black lung. Others were constantly falling asleep, falling asleep in their homes because the carbon monoxide levels were getting so high. Damn. It was getting so bad in the state pushed people to install carbon monoxide detectors in their homes, but some weren't even buying canaries to do the job because the detectors weren't. <laughs> oh, some were even buying canaries to do the job because the detectors weren't working. Jesus. So, to be fair, uh, I think we kind of covered this when we did Kentucky. There was a period of time where the mining companies would use canaries to tell you whether or not the air was too toxic for you to breathe. Yeah, yeah. because the very, very first thing that's going to happen when you take a canary, canary in is mm-hmm. it's going to die. Poor things. Yeah, they're actually they're actually ridiculously sensitive to like low oxygen levels or toxins in the air. Absolutely. <laughs> It's dead. It's it's time to leave. Uh clumsy attempts to extinguish fire at the fire, including boring ventilation holes down into underground chutes, made the fire burn more privately. Oops. <laughs> so that was the term adding fuel to the fire came from? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what happens when you give oxygen to a fire? It gets yeah. hotter and burns higher. That's brilliant. It's just brilliant. Uh, Stop some oxygen on it. (laughs) Another proposed resolution was to dig a gigantic trench around the town, which would have cost millions of dollars and wasn't guaranteed to work. It's like DD. It's like players trying to come up with a plan. (laughs) Right? (laughs) My fellow DDers, you know what we're talking about. (laughs) Right? Another proposed resolution, yeah, which would have cost millions of dollars and wasn't guaranteed to even work, it became evident the fire wasn't going to burn itself out anytime soon because the amazing amount of interconnected underground coal veins in the region that were all vulnerable. Eventually, the government just decided that it would be easier to evacuate the town and inaugurate it into the club of elite communities (laughs) like Times Beach and Pritchell that were just evacuated. Yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll see where it goes from there. At first, they made the exodus voluntary because they figured that no one wanted to live in a raging hellfire that was apparently deadly as deadly as the surface of Saturn. <laughs> and offered relocation buyouts. But the buyout prices were a little more than pathetic because of the catch-22 as the town had become. The houses that are above a raging coal fire just apparently don't have much market value. <laughs> uh, Here's 10 and- buff cents. As a result, the percentage was taken off the price, which was well below that which was needed to move to another town or purchase a new home. Because of that, some outright refused to leave, either thinking the fire could eventually be extinguished or shrugging it off as not that big of a problem. <laughs> some miners felt like they were being treated condescendingly when it came to the government officials and scientists came to town to discuss the situation, so they stayed out of spite. <laughs> Fuck you, Stan. Listen. <laughs> I rolled all my way. I was once very privy to 
hillbilly grandparents and spite is a real thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is. All right. <laughs> among, it's generations, <laughs> among generations in which we do not understand spite is a real thing. <laughs> Shit. That that spite is alive and well. <laughs> <laughs> the homes and businesses of those who did not accept deals were then demolished. Or, or I'm sorry, the homes and businesses of those who did accept the deals were then demolished so that they couldn't change their mind and come back. But the MDN was slow. And now I just want to throw out another date at you. Again, please take into care for this consideration that this started in 1962. All right. So where did I go here? But the emptying was slow, and by 1986, the government was getting impatient. So now we're a quarter of a century past when the fire started. Right. <laughs> so they turned to good old-fashioned eminent domain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which made the remaining leery locals uh, invent the usual conspiracy theories like how the government was greedily only after the coal stocks below the town. Seriously, Centrali Centralia had so much wealth of stuff that the Molly Maguires, again, as mentioned, considered them very important enough to be thugs back in the 1800s mm-hmm. when mining was appearing on the site. <clears throat> and speaking of conspiracies, others declared that Pennsylvania was consequently trying to erase the town. They removed the town's zip code completely. It will effectively erase the town. The town does not have a zip code. Yeah. Uh, the county and the surrounding areas does have a zip code, but to this day, to this day, the town does not have a zip code <laughs> and its name. So what happened though, is they removed the zip code and the name from the municipal building, <laughs> Okay, uh, which was one of the few holdout structures that was wrecked, that was left. I'm going to move there and become mayor. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So anyway, clearly. Lots of shit happened here. What I can tell you that was that was that <clears throat> eminent domain was actually invoked not until 1993, by which point only 63 residents officially remained. They became squatters in the houses they had owned for decades. Even so, that did not put an end to this town, and it still had the, a council and a mayor and paid its bills. And over the next two de- decades, residents fought hard to stay there legally. Now, again, we're going to remember the first date that I said. Yeah. 1962. In the year 2013, the remaining residents, which was then somewhere in the neighborhood of between seven and 11 residents, won a settlement against the state. Each was awarded $349,500 and ownerships of their properties until they died, at which point Pennsylvania will seize the land and finally demolish what structures remain. Well, I mean, you're talking 11 years ago. What's there now? To the best of my knowledge, there are still roughly five to seven families that live there. Yeah. I ain't got to go to school because there is no school. There's no school. (laughs) I mean, good learning. Um, there was a man named Mervyn who recalled choosing to stay with his wife even when they offered a bailout. He said, I remember the state came and said they wanted our house, he said. She took one look at that man and said, they're not getting it. <laughs> I like her already. <laughs> She's cool. Um, 
It was stated, this is the only home that I've ever owned and I want to keep it. He said he died in 2010, the age of 93, still illegally squatting in his childhood home. It was the last remaining building on that three block long stretch of houses. That's amazing. So some of those people, they were just that yeah. age. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're not going to leave the only thing that they have in this world. Because uh, that's fucked up. A squatter in his childhood home. Yeah. Squatter that's in his childhood home. how the way the world works. I mean, I get it, but I don't get it. I we want to get you out, so we'll do any way possible. And that's just... Barring killing you, because that just makes us... I mean, I do understand, though, that the place became ridiculously toxic like it's it's probably not a good idea to, to marry be there <laughs> um, so what i will say and this is the other part that i will say about centralia so first what i'm going to do is i'm going to read two emails that were emailed into a news article at offroaders.com and this is just two people's uh, we came to this place and this is what we saw or experienced uh this is how it Interestingly, it ties into the paranormal. Mm-hmm. A man by the name of Scott Saylor of Mays Landing, New Jersey, wrote in that I visited Centralia last weekend with a couple of friends, and I thought I might share a very weird experience that I had while exploring the town. He said we were there for an hour and a half, and we were checking out the interesting locations that I heard about, like the burning hillside, the crack in Route 61, and the streets without homes. We were in the area next to an old cemetery on the east side of a town, east of Route 61. We just checked out the old tombstones and were getting a whiff of smoke from the east. That So we walked down the old gravel road to look around. We found a slag-covered hill with steam coming out of it and were pretty fascinated by some fossils that they found. When we heard what sounded like a voice saying something inaudible from down below where we were. All three of us heard it. We figured it was someone else checking out the area, too, so we sort of just ignored it. Then we heard it again, a little more clearly. A few words, and it sort of sounded like, leave this place. At that moment, the hill we were standing on started to steam more than a few moments before, and it really stunk like rotten eggs, sulfur, I guess. Well, it sort of spooked us, so we figured we'd better head back to the car. As we were walking back in the area of the cemetery the odd fellow cemetery we heard it again not the same words and not clear but something like why did you do that what was even weirder was that it wasn't like someone was yelling it out of the bushes it was quiet and kind of closer and we couldn't figure out which direction it was coming from it just sounded like somebody was talking to another person next to us yeah it's the government pumping that in to get people out of there. Or the residents doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Why'd you do that? So Jim and his girlfriend Lori also emailed this place in the fall of 1999. He said, hello, my name is Jim. About a month ago, my girlfriend Lori and I were coming back to back from Nobles, which, by the way, is the place that we looked up that's not too far from Centralia. Got you. If we ever wanted to go visit. I, think, um, I mean, that's where Burns and Noble started. <laughs> <laughs> so they were coming here from Nobles, and we decided to take 61 home and stop at Centralia to look as they had done once before. First, he says, first, let me say that we're not superstitious. In fact, we're quite the opposite. 
We like checking out abandoned places in old buildings, old cemeteries, and that sort of thing. We've seen a lot of old abandoned homes over the years, but one we checked out in Centralia about a month ago really gave us a fright. He said it was a white abandoned twin home up on a side street on a hill. There were two units and both had red numbers spray painted on the front, which indicated from what I gathered, the homes were probably set to be demolished in the near future. So they decided to check it out. The back door was open, so they went in. Some of the first floor windows were boarded up, making it dark, but we explored the old house a little. We were on the second floor in the hallway near the stairs that led up and down the, to the first and the third floor. The door was open leading up to the third floor. Lori was in the hallway while I was at the top of the steps that led downstairs. At that point, we heard footsteps coming down the stairs from the third floor. It sounded to me that the steps were coming down from the ceiling above and going down to the first floor. So my first thought that was, was that someone was coming down from the attic. At first, we were, st- we were startled and thought someone else was in the house. The footsteps sounded like they were about to reach the side floor hallway. Lori looked into the stairwell, expecting to see someone. There wasn't anyone there. At the same time, he looked down the steps to the first floor and saw nobody. At that time, they decided to make a beeline for the car. Yeah. That's interesting shit right there. <clears throat> but, so, all in all, what I'll say is, over the course of me researching this place in general, what we are looking at is a place of great tragedy, right? Like, yeah. shit happened, people had to leave. Some people would just leave and died on their property. Over a right. span of 40 years. You've got a couple of stories of things happening. You've got a lot of stuff. Apparently, so the carriage road going to the town. Apparently, they have seen the buggy of the Alexander Ray guy huh. who the Molly Maguire's attacked. Yeah. Huh. I mean, we're looking at what? 60, 65 years, something like that? Or more. That this, yeah. this, this shit's been burning for over 60 years. A long time. That's insane. In 1998, in Wait. 1998, Ruth Ederson said her and her friends swore they saw a couple of people walking out of the smoke in one of the cemeteries who appeared to be wearing mining helmets and two figures walked up out of the large substance hole and behind the graveyards and dematerialized in the smoke. Now, do we have any idea? It's hell. If <laughs> what kind of a death toll there was because of that situation i was unable to find anything like that off the top of my head probably all been sealed right to be fair it it literally looks like the whole entire government it's literally just trying to erase the existence of that town period it's covered it all we screwed up let's get rid of it right (laughs) so what i can tell you that i did find was that so going into the town I believe it was Route 61 was the highway. It is the famous one where, you know, in the games and in the movies, you see the Silent Hill sign, the Welcome to Silent Hill, where it's cracked down the highway. Um, So for a very long time, people would go for better or for worse, and they would tag that highway where it was broken. And at some point, it actually kind of became like this weird monument, right? Because over the course of... You know, between the town was a, that was evacuated, and nowadays, like, oh, lots see. of people have tagged this, yeah. right? And it was just one of those 
Thanks. And to be fair, I'll get into it here in a second. Like, unofficial slash dark tourism is more damaging to that place than anything. I will right. I will explain that in a second. So I actually decided to go ahead and look that up since you said it. And yeah, I mean, literally, the entirety of the road is just just a bunch of different color. I don't know, so little. But here's the thing. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Here's the thing, though. Since then, the locals that still live there got pissed off and covered it up with dirt. Really? So within, I want to say the last, I think 21 was the last article that I read where they still had pictures of the graffiti highway. Interesting. Uh, since then, it has been covered with dirt from the locals, and there's only, like I said, maybe five to seven pe- families that still live there. So pretty much just the highway is just not there anymore. I mean, you can still it's see there, it. there, but probably not a you highway. You can still see it. It just it doesn't look the same. I'm sure you can Google pictures. You can see it covered up with dirt. Right. It doesn't look the same. But, you know, some of the locals that were there, because, you know, they never thought to put up, like, you no know, trespassing signs and shit like that, because who wants to go there? Right. right. They said that people would come to their house. They would want to, like, chip pieces off their house. Just they had a memento to go. Like, we always say, don't take anything from a fucking haunted place because you never know. Like, right. No, he said that, like, so one of the guys had said that literally, like, they would come to, like, the one church in town and, like, chip pieces off of it. Why would you do that? Because people are stupid. So they have a souvenir. Remember, they've been, like, it's, Super. You I'm, couldn't take a teeny tiny piece of already cracked off asphalt? Fat, right? I, and to be fair, I'm not condoning taking anything. But if you're like, gonna take something, like don't to go in there and try to fuck with somebody's house. You fucking or... stop it. Yeah, not a thing. Like I mean, I'm looking at this this massive crack down the middle of this road in these pictures. And there's tons, tons of little tiny rocks and stuff that in little chips of the asphalt where it broke. Take a little tiny piece of asphalt. Why Why do you need to fucking chip a piece off of somebody's church? Because like I said, that's, that's literally up. what these locals were saying. They were, And to be fair, the place doesn't exist. They have no zip code. They have no police department. Who are they going to complain to? Right. Ghostbusters. They didn't say that every once in a while the police department does come in. They crack down on like vandalism and shit like that. But I mean, for the most part, it's inconsequential. It'll be like they they come and hang out for like a week and then just go back to whatever. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line here is hmm. fucking stop it. Right. If it ain't yours, keep your hands off of it. If you want to go look, cool. Go look. But don't interfere with people's lives. And we definitely are. don't interfere with their property. We are paranormal investigators, but. Over most things, what I would call that is somewhere a mix between people that are enthusiastic about science and people that are enthusiastic about history. Yeah. Correct. Sorry. I'm in, in some aspects. And I'm not saying every science and I'm not saying every bit of history. I'm just saying like that that's where our balance lies. We love history. We love science. And like, like there's no reason to go break people's shit. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> well, that's just this humans being humans are dumb. It's that's just disgusting. But yeah, I mean, she's, she nailed it. That literally disgusts me. But that said, what I can tell you from reading up on Centralia is a, a lot of Centralia, despite the fact that there are like ghost stories, yeah. like like you said, there's an odd fellow cemetery. 
that's where the fire started. They have watched people come and dematerialized in the mist in the cemetery. That is pretty awesome. People have heard footsteps around different abandoned places in town. Not that I recommend that you go check out abandoned places in Centralia because most of the houses have already been torn down. Right. The ones ones that are still standing probably belong to the four or five families that still fucking live there. So so leave them alone. Leave them alone. People just want to live their lives. Yeah, because I'm looking up now. All the pictures I see are of the road. That's it. Yeah, there's no, I didn't find any pictures of the housing or anything either. But yeah, so we get minor little ghost stories and that's super cool. And don't get me wrong, I'd be super interested in like checking the place out. But like, I'm also one of those people that's super respectable about stuff like that. I'm not going to go like just trotting over people's yards. You don't go in people's yards. You don't enter people's property. You certainly don't ship off pieces of Treat it like you would treat your own stuff. And Uh, that's how you treat your shit. You suck. But what I mean is Centralia PA and what I've found in my research is basically the equivalence of like Helltown in Ohio. <laughs> and it's us being it's, from right up the road. Past Helltown. Yeah, us being right up the road, we are very familiar with Helltown, Ohio. Or also called Boston Township, which is actually just a little fucking plain podunk town in Ohio. Yeah. All right. Not to say there's nothing there. We've got investigated Lonesome Lock, which is right up the way from Boston. It's technically in Helltown. One thing. But it's an exaggerated story. That I noticed when I drove through, quote unquote, Helltown on on Monday was it is just the most beautiful, quaint little town you ever wanted to be in. Oh, yeah. The streets are clean. The houses and yards are kept. Well, it's a beautiful I mean, little place. I mean, it's a very good reminder of like 1860 when a town only had 10, 15, 20 words in it. And it's just four or five business buildings like, hey, there's the little corner store. But here's the church. There's a business office. Yes. That's And that's what person they use. They have a library, too. A cute little quaint library. It's basically just like a big one or mouse. But to be fair, I mean, we we love the valley. We love I We love Helltown. love with Boston. It's a beautiful place. But and they do have some good restaurants, which just, I highly recommend. It's just a lot more story than it is actual place, right? Yes. So yeah. don't get me wrong. You can go to Centralia today, and going on the right day, you and if you find one of the mine shafts that points to the open area, you will see, you know, mine gases coming out of it. And if you take a little oxygen monitor, well, yeah, they'll tell you, don't breathe that shit. <laughs> but that said, or do it. Centralia is no, also in a valley. So anytime it gets foggy, all that fog settles into the valley of Centralia. Yep. So they're like, you know what? All those touristy pictures that you see that looks like Silent Hill and there's this massive bog coming through the forest. They're like, <clears throat> yeah, that's because we're in a valley. It's, yeah. That's literally just yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. Like this, happens. the smoke is there. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it's not a threat. Right. Because especially, so like we live in Tennessee. Yeah. Right. So when you have underground coal mines, there always is the threat where if some of that burns out or there's empty space, there's the threat of sinkholes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like we crossed backyards that were not far from ours that literally just had like twenty foot holes that just <laughs> yeah, into the dirt. Yeah. Extremely, extremely real danger <clears throat> there. And they can open up at any time. Yeah. So right, it's, like, it's not like the threat's <laughs> not real. It's not like this stuff doesn't really happen. There really is smoke that comes out of the ground sometimes. It's just 
it's not Hollywood. Right. Yeah, there's no Hollywood coming after you. But I just thought people deserved to know kind of the story of Centralia and what actually happened there. No. I mean, it is very, very interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting story. I could totally see how they made a horror movie out of that. But yeah. I do feel bad for the people who still live there, though. Like, that's their home. I don't feel bad. That's their home. Yeah, but they chose to stay there. They have that right. I think what tied me to it was the fact that. They're not the ones that started the fire. We didn't start the fire. Well, that's why they stood there. Like, shut up, Billy Joel. I (laughs) can't. She can't. I think what kind of attracted me to that place is A, I was a big fan of Hill back in the day, like the games, whatever. B, there was a split second when we first were like, hey, we're doing Centralia or we're doing Pennsylvania next week, where I'm like, what are we going to do in Pennsylvania? I was like, oh, oh. (laughs) And then I saw it and I was like, I'm retarded for overlooking that. Uh, (laughs) True. (laughs) But a big part of what what tied me to Centralia, especially after I started researching it, was because it felt so close to home. Because it felt so much like Helltown when I... Right. Even though you hate that term. But yeah. I do hate it. Yeah. Yeah. But I say it out loud because a lot of people that are listening to this probably have heard it. Yeah. So, yeah. They've, they've probably heard of Helltown, but not heard of it referred to Helltown as Helltown is still a township. If you want a good time, go to Boston Township on the peninsula. Enjoy. Eat one of the mom and pop's breakfast places. And right? enjoy the absolutely amazing scenery of 300,000 acres of national forest. Take a walk down the locks and see wow, the But yeah, like, it's not what you think it is. But yeah. it's still a good time. Don't get me wrong. We've gone and learned some lot. We've got evidence of the lot. It's haunted. All right? Oh, for sure. For sure, it's haunted. But it's not Helltown. It's not Hollywood haunted. Right. It's not that scary. Exactly. That's it. That's my story. And, and you're sticking to it? Three hours later. <laughs> what is the official time of the episode right now? At this point, one hour and 32 minutes. All right. Yeah, to be honest, we could probably cut off our bullshit arguing and lose 30 minutes. No, that's got to stay in. No, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's got, that was good content right there. Sometimes we just have a thick so and that's right. all it is to it. I hope that you guys are absolutely loving what we're doing. Besides, they can hit the fast forward button. True, true. <laughs> yeah, settle down and don't act like you're trying to end the podcast. We got ending announcements and how they can get a hold of us. And I have to pull up the so, uh, information on what we're doing, place so. we're doing next week. So, yeah, settle down and just end it like you normally end it. Well, actually, <laughs> what I was totally about to say was that we do seriously hope that you guys are enjoying the content that we're putting out. And of course, please don't forget that we we still want to hear your content. So send us your haunted stories. It makes us happy. I am still working on getting a secondary podcast going, but I need your guys' help for it because I have an idea. What I'd like to do, yeah, I had an idea. Woo! No one said a word. It's <laughs> okay, I said it myself. So what I would like to do is take your guys' stories and other folks as well and turn these stories into basically like like first or third person stories and read them like a play very much so yeah okay so i mean i'm not i'm not wanting to rip off like scary interesting or anything like that i want to do like ghost stories encrypted stories i love them by the way scary interesting you should totally watch because they're awesome yeah anyway Send me your stories. 
Tell me your stories. Text me. Where could they send your stories to? They can send it to nolightsparanormal at gmail.com. See that little segue there? Or dun, dun, dun. they can message us on Facebook at No Lights Paranormal. And don't forget that all of our really cool content is on the No Lights Paranormal Network page, which is like secondary to the main page so join that hang out with us that's where we post all of our real good shit does anybody have sarah listen to this one she's pa proud who? who's sarah uh depew tones now my boss one of them <laughs> andrew yeah andrew oh yeah, yeah, yeah she's the andrew for the pa ah gotcha gotcha i don't gotcha. know any of those people i'm cool with it yeah Sorry, we went Bosses. shop talk. We, we went Amazon. We went shop talk. <laughs> <laughs> you can always tell an Amazon worker because we work in acronyms. So, it's true. So, it's true. All right. Uh, give me a second. I'm looking. All right. I, Don't rush me. I was clearing my throat. <laughs> Let me clear my throat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We both just broke into song. That was amazing. Uh, so yeah, anyway, though, the point that I was getting at is I really want to get the second thing going on because I mean, for starters, it just gives us something really interesting to talk about, which I love. Right. So yeah, send me your haunted stories or, you know what, if you're just a really good storyteller and you want to make up a story, do that too. And send it to me. You could come on and read it. That's what I give you that part. That's all. Do you want to read your own story? Cause I'll totally let you do that too. Yeah, be a podcaster. Come on, guys. Join us. It's awesome. We have a lot of fun hanging out with you guys. Yeah. I mean, it's like a regular every other day for me, but... <laughs> right, right. Get to well, hang out with you guys all the time. <laughs> you know, I have to say, though, when when you're a paranormal investigator to the point where you, like, speak it out loud and you tell people, hey, this is something that I do in person, you get lots of great stories like people are always wanting to like oh let me tell you about this and this and this and i love that so much the problem is over the years there have been so many of them that i didn't write down so i have to i have to ask again please send me your stories because i forget yeah this is where i really want the audience to participate you know i want to make this your guys's podcast and at this point we can even have our own channel of just fun fun stuff all right so you know what i'm going to give you an extra special little thing here all right this is a this is an extra submit your story to me and the last seven days we have had a number of downloads most from the u.s We have downloads in three countries in the last week. U.S., the second most is in Russia, and then we have one in Germany. Good talk. So this is what I'll say. <clears throat> Your Russian cat seemed to like us now, and that's cool. We love you, too. We love everybody. Three downloads. We love us. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but yeah, yeah. three is good. Uh, nice. That's just in this I'm week. Being a douche. So, yeah. So, don't I actually douche. had some interesting ideas about going completely international after we do the states and talking about like folklore did and just, cryptids and in other countries. What? Did you just not let me finish? Was that exactly what you were going to say? I wasn't, I wasn't done yet. Well, well, that's why I was talking about Russia. Maybe they can tell us their stories. All right, well, here's the problem. I wasn't done telling my stories, so you tell them to tell their stories. Got you. So, Russia. Every week. <laughs> <laughs> you seem to love it. 
You're super into it. No lights paranormal at gmail.com. I want a story yeah, from Russia. Russian stories. I want a story from Russia that's not the Diet Love Pass. Right. Yeah, not that. I'm tired of hearing that one. I, I trust me, I've watched more videos on that than probably most Russians have. They're like, you Americans are idiots. You're watching the same thing. I, mean, I, want, something I want a good Russian horror story. I want a good Russian ghost story. Something yeah. amazing. Give me something juicy. Send stuff. it to me. What's your guys' most haunted place in any specific city? Just pick one. Maybe it's the hometown that you're in. The bar. Right. And you know what? My bar is haunted. Cool. Tell me all about it. Maybe maybe that's our second podcast. We well, need your stories. No. Kind of. <laughs> we, need your, we need your stories. stories. We need your stories. We need your input. But maybe it's No Lights International. That's exactly what I'm saying. I want maybe to share stories. Maybe it's that ghost story from every country. I love it. Which is kind of how the podcast originally started. <laughs> it just happened to go into states. Oh, yeah. That was, you know. That was a thought. Our podcast wiggle wobbled. It grew. And I am having a blast doing the states because I am having a blast learning about the different states. Right. But also, like, kind of just wanted more of a campfire discussion. Right. I need an adventure. But yeah, I totally want to hear. And and folks from Russia, please, yes, just like folks, I don't care where you're from. Send me your stories. I want to hear them. Yeah. So we got Russia, Germany, Thailand, India. We've got Germany. I don't know you got a lot. Come on, bro. Yeah, right. <laughs> Germany, you've got stories. Germany, I know you've got stories. Right. Uh, my, my Just for those who don't know, my maiden name is actually Hausch, which is a German name. My great-grandparents came here right before the Depression on a ship heading to Ellis Island. And my grandfather was actually born in international waters, which is how he became a U.S. citizen. Because when you're, it doesn't matter where you're from, if you are on, if you're in international waters, then you automatically become a citizen of the place where you're going. So that's how my grandfather became a U.S. citizen, which is how my family got here. I'm throwing an offer to the people here. So we have just passed the thousand listener mark. Oh, oh, so we have more than a thousand listeners now. And in celebration of that, what I will tell you is the per- first person to submit their story Ooh. that we can share, I will send you a No Lights Paranormal hoodie. Hmm. That's very rare. We have the t-shirts. I will get one made. I will get you a No Lights Paranormal hoodie. You tell me your size. I will send it to you. That's it. They're extremely rare at this point, guys. Extremely. Uh, and to be them. fair, <laughs> to be fair, if you'd like, we'll sign it. It'll literally be the first no lace paranormal hoodie. We don't even have one yet. Yeah, we yeah, have I t-shirts. Have I was just going to go with extremely rare. That made it more valuable. But all right, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling them whoever submits extremely the rare is the facts though, because they literally do not yet exist. Yeah, I'm telling them whoever sends me the first story will have the first no lace hoodie before even the team has. Yeah, the I won't even have one before you. So no. that's pretty awesome. And I like hoodies. Right. All right. So yeah, definitely send us your stories and get in on our contest. So no lights paranormal on Facebook.com. No lights paranormal at gmail dot gmail.com. I'm fine. I can I can talk. <laughs> no lights para on X, which I absolutely love, by the way. And I 
recently took us into the realm of LinkedIn. And we've got a couple of hundred connections on LinkedIn. So that is another interesting way that you can get a hold of us if it is easier for you. Go to LinkedIn, find No Lights Paranormal, and go ahead and follow me. And you can actually private message me and send me stories right there as well. Like, subscribe, and follow. Exactly. Like, subscribe, and follow. And I finally got an episode up on our YouTube channel as well, which is No Lights Ghosts. And more to come on that. That's just just starting. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, what I will say is next week we have Alabama because nobody asked and I didn't share yet. <laughs> <laughs> so next week our state is Alabama. Again, as you guys are aware, we are getting in touch with our certain people to find out when the End of the month roundtable is going to be. So we will skip a state at that point and come back to them following the roundtable. Other than that, Pennsylvania, we loved you. I really would have a great time looking up my story in Pennsylvania. So I actually. So I don't want yeah. to understate that. Like, yeah, Pennsylvania, I don't want to play it. Good okay. stories. <clears throat> Fantastic. We love you. We love the Baba Yaga. Peace out and good night, no lights, friends. Wait, what did you say? Don't fuck with the Baba Yaga? No, he said.